Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. Hey, can we stand up and just give Jesus a big hand clap for being risen from the dead? Come on. Come on, give him some praise, church. If you're online, come on. Come on, lift your voice and just, got, just come on, love on your Savior today. Come on, shout to him a little bit. Hallelujah, we love you, Jesus. Before you sit down, let's just pray. Father, thank you so much for an opportunity just to come together Uh, just to gather together your ecclesia, your church, to celebrate you. Jesus, thank you for what you did for us 2,000 years ago. Thank you, God, for sending an incredible sacrifice so that we could have relationship with you. Our sins could be forgiven, God. Our our lives could be changed. Our hearts could be, uh, get, get a brand new heart, God. 
Our families could be changed. Our kids, generation after generation, Father. Father, I thank you for the representation that's in this room, Lord, that's watching online, God, the ripple effect it'll have through families as we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for rising from the dead, for coming out of that tomb. Thank you, Jesus, for sitting at the right hand of God right now praying for us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Before you sit down, look at two people. Just say, you, you look nice today. You look nice today. Smile at them. Say, you look cute without a mask on. Come on, look at them. We also want to welcome all of our live streamers from California, Florida, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, South Carolina, Virginia, Washington, D.C. Can we give it up for all of our live streamers? Thank you guys for joining with us today. My name is Troy Maxwell. My wife and I are the senior pastors here. And uh, many of you know a little bit of my background. Um, I'm a, I grew up a single parent in a single parent house, just me and my mom. And I tell everybody we were po, we couldn't even afford the OR. And I, I'm sure all of you can remember growing up the specific meals that your, fam- that your mom or dad made for you. How many of y'all remember like a specific meal? So me growing up, um, was a little bit different because we didn't have any money. So she had to make food last a long ways. I mean, really had to make it last. So one of the famous meals that I realized that was not a good meal is kidney beans and sausage. How many of you ever had kidney beans and sausage? Raise your hand. Some of you have. So for, if you've never tried it, it's incredible. I think it's awesome. But I remember when I first started dating my wife, Penny, and I was like, hey, let me make you a meal. You know, and, and I knew basically how to cook breakfast, how to cook kidney beans and sausage, and baked chicken. That was about it. And I made her kidney beans and sausage. Because you can, you can make kidney beans and sausage for like $1.49. Like 39 cent, you know, off-brand kidney beans. And not Jimmy Dean. We're not going to go Jimmy Dean, like all, like fancy stuff. We just go old school, like whatever. Uh, AMC, I don't even know what we had back in the day. And my mom used to cook all kinds of meals. She made me uh, Hungry Man Dinners. You know, I don't even know no Hungry Man dinners. This was before microwaves, y'all. Um, because back then you had to preheat the oven to 350 degrees. At the 20, exactly the 25-minute mark, you had to peel back the, the metal off of the blueberry cobbler. If you did it before 25 minutes, it burnt the cobbler. If you did it right at, thir- at 25 minutes, you got about another 10 minutes of a nice crisp over top of your Salisbury steak, green beans, Come on, somebody's getting hungry right now. I can just feel it. Mm. Don't worry, I'll be finished soon. You can go to grandma's house. I'll never forget one time my dad, you know, my, my mom and dad got divorced when I was 14 months old. And so my dad would come in occasionally and take me somewhere. And one time he, he came over to my house and I was eating one of the meals that my mom had prepared for me. And I'll never forget because I was sitting at the table. Matter of fact, mom, if you're watching, I, I told her I was going to tell this story. Um, hey, mom, how y'all doing? Y'all wave at my mom. Hey, mom, how you doing? Um, and so, so I, I remember sitting there at the table, you know, eating this meal that my mom made for me. And my dad walked over and he peeked over my shoulder and he looked at and he said, Maggie, because that's my mom's name, Maggie, why are you feeding this boy liver? And, and I, I looked up at him and like, first of all, what is liver? Because at, for, that, for the whole time I'd been alive, my mom had told me, that this was steak. 
And so I looked up at him. I said, this is steak, Dad. This ain't liver. And, and Maggie's going. And my dad's going, what are you making this boy eat liver for? And, you know, just the word liver. Some of y'all got just a little came up right in the middle of your throat right there just to be even saying it. Right? Well, my dad did something for me that day. He took me and he got me a steak. Let me just tell you, I never ate liver again. <laughs> Ever again. And I realized that there's something greater than liver. It's called steak. <laughs> I think we all have something that we've experienced. And then when we experience the greater, it makes such an impact on us. Today I want to talk about greater love. A love that's more, a love that we can experience when we allow Jesus to come into our life. God is calling us today to know a greater love. The day before Jesus went to the cross, he gathered his, his motley crew of disciples, his 12 disciples. And, you know, they're eating as, as Pastor Aaron and Pastor Stephanie were talking about. They, they ate their meal, and then he begins to teach them. Beginning in John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17, great chapters. And he talks about the Holy Spirit. He talks about fruit. He talks about all these incredible things. And right in the middle of this, he makes this statement to his disciples. And he says in verse 12, he says, this is my commandment. Okay, Jesus is passionate about this. He said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, if anybody were to say that, I would say, well, what does that mean? Like, Explain to me what you mean by loving someone like you've loved me. And I would try to remember like what it means what, what they're, in their life, what they've done to exhibit, to express, to show me, to visualize what love looks like. And then Jesus makes this statement, and he defines what it means. Now, these guys, honestly, they didn't believe this. He said, greater love. Everybody say, greater love. Come on, look at your neighbor. Say, greater love. Look at your second choice. Say greater love. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, he, they had no idea what he was talking about because up to this point, whenever he mentioned that he was going to die for him, they didn't get it. Matter of fact, Peter cussed at him one time. Don't ever cuss at Jesus, I'm just saying. Not a good thing to do. So he says, you are my friends if you do whatever, what I command you. What was the command? That you love one another as I have loved you. What does that love look like? To lay down your life for your friends. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. I love that. For all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. That's pretty awesome. These things I command you. There he is again. He's talking about this command to love one another as I have loved you. Greater love no, has no one than this than to lay down his life. That you, you will love one another. Jesus in this passage explains what matters most if we are his disciples. If we're followers of God. In order to love somebody with a greater love, you have to have experienced the greater love. My prayer today is that you would experience what it feels like 
to eat steak. (laughs) What it feels like to experience a greater love. Let me give you just three thoughts on what I believe greater love is. Greater love is relational, not transactional. It's relational, not transactional. People love to buy, they hate to be sold. And I'm sure, now don't get offended if you own a car dealer um, because I used to work in insurance and so car dealers, insurance people, lawyers, uh, they, they always get a bad rap. Everybody loves pastors, amen. I'll just say that. But I'm sure we've all, we, we, we hate the classic buy-in experience because when, when the salesman fits that negative stereotype, we don't, we don't love that experience because we always feel like we're in this negotiation. Every little step is about trying to get something from them because guess what? They're trying to get something from you, a big fat check. They're going to put you in the car. They're going to make it smell good. They're going to make everything look just right for one reason and one reason only, to get you to do something for them. See, this is called transactional selling because the salesman is focused on one transaction. There's no long-term relationship at all. There's no desire to get connected. When I, learned, when I first learned sales, I was in insurance for a long time, finance, all that stuff. One of my bosses told me one time, listen, you're not trying to sell them anything. You're trying to enter into a relationship with them. Troy, if you can, if you can get them into a place where they trust you in a relationship, then it really doesn't matter what happens after. They're one of the smartest business guys I've ever met. And he taught me, look, you're not just trying to sell them something. You're trying to get into a relationship because when relationship exists, trust exists. See, what has happened over uh, a lot of years, especially in the church, is sometimes Christians and churches have mistakenly made following Jesus seem transactional. Like it's this transaction. Like if I come to church and I do good enough, then God's going to be good to me. That's a transaction. Your focus is based on what I do for you because now you owe me something. Like, I, I'm going to give you something for the sole purpose of because I want you to pay me back. I want you to give me something back. Churches have become consumer-minded because a lot of people walk into church with a consumer mindset. They walk into a church like Freedom House, and they go, ooh, did they have, did they have good coffee? I mean, is everybody cute at the door? I mean, did somebody wave at me? How did, how did everything go? Because I don't know if I can come to this church. I'm going to check out five or six before I figure out which one. You know, it's really difficult to go one time to a church and know that this is the place for you. Because they may nail it that day. And then the next day you come, they just fail miserably in the service. And sometimes they just may do good and they're not really that good. And you just caught them on a good day. Now here at Freedom House, we always have good days in Jesus' name. Amen. Just saying. But you need to come for a while. Matter of fact, you you need to really let God lead you where you're supposed to get connected. And not come in thinking that you're going to a grocery store with a transactional mindset. See, there's a big difference between relational Christianity and transactional Christianity. This is something that I learned as a pastor early on. Transactional Christianity looks like this. You got to believe like me, behave like me, and then you can belong like me. This is really what that is, is religion. That's what religion says. Religion says, as long as you believe like me, as long as you behave like me, 
then I might let you in the club called church. But that's not the Jesus style. That's not relational. Jesus exhibited relational Christianity. This is why the religious people hated him so much. See, relational Christianity looks like this. You belong. Okay, what's next? Well, let's first of all make sure you understand that you're loved because you belong. Well, well, what do you mean? Everywhere else I go, they want something from me. No, no. You belong here. Matter of fact, that's, as a human being, that's your greatest desire is to feel like you belong. But, but hold on, there's got to be a catch. No, there's not really any catch. Because, see, when you feel like you belong, then you start to question, you know, why do you believe that way? It's interesting. Whenever you're faced with a challenge or a, a situation, it seems like you always have peace. Sam, why, why is that? Why is it that you have so much peace, whatever? I mean, all hell's coming against your house, and you just got some peace. Can you explain to me how you have got to that place? And then, then when you believe, when there's a heart change, it's amazing how people's behavior changes. You don't have to talk them in anything. Parents have a struggle with this because they want to change behavior before they change belief. You got kids that are acting up, find out why they're acting up. Before you try to change their, you can't spank a behavior out of them. Hello, I've tried it. <laughs> I want to be, be in a relationship. See, it isn't a formula, it's a transformation. Jesus was really good at this. And, and you'll see this when you read through the scriptures. When you read through the New Testament now, you'll see this relational Relation, this the relational Christianity, this Jesus style that he did. One particular story, he's coming through this town called Jericho. And um, it says that he reached this spot. And this man named Zacchaeus, who really wanted to see Jesus. Now, listen, let me just tell you about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus understood transactions. He was, he was a tax collector. He understood give and get. That, that, was, that was his deal. His whole life was built around transaction. But he had heard about Jesus. Something about Jesus was attractional to him. And so he climbs up the sycamore tree just so he can get a peek at, is this guy real or what? I think some of you in this room, some of you watching, is Jesus real or what? Like, is this thing real? Like, is church real? Can I really get changed? And so Zacchaeus climbs up this tree. Jesus gets to this spot. He looks up and he goes, hey, Zacchaeus. This is Luke chapter 19. He looks up and I'll just give you the Maxwell paraphrase. Hey, Zacchaeus, can I come over and eat some kidney beans and sausage? <laughs> he just says, hey, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house. I just want to come hang out at your house. I don't want anything from you. I don't, I don't have any questions for you. It'd be interesting to see what they talked about. Something happened because Zacchaeus stood up in the middle of having dinner with Jesus and said to him, Lord, look, here I give half of my possessions to the poor. And I'll, give, I'll pay back four times the amount of any money that I've stole from anybody. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to your house. In other words, Zacchaeus, you belong here. Look at me. Everybody look at me for a second. I don't know what you're going through, but you belong here. 
I don't know what you did yesterday, but you belong here. I don't know what you did five years ago, you belong here. I don't care if you've been divorced, you belong here. I don't care if you had an abortion, you belong here. I don't care if you committed adultery, you belong here. I don't care what sin you've committed, you belong here. Jesus loves you. That's why he was raised from the dead for you. Amen? For you. Jesus didn't ask for anything. But spending time with Jesus changed everything. Greater love is, not, is relational, not transactional. Secondly, if you want to write this down, greater love is unshakable, not situational. It's unshakable, not situational. I thought a lot, I thought a lot about this. Like, who do I know that is unshakable? And the first person that came to my mind was my wife. My wife is unshakable, man. Some of you know her. Some of you have heard a little bit of her story. Some of you have not heard much of her story. When we met, I had no idea what she had been through. She grew up very wealthy, totally different than me. However, what she went through physically, she was physically abused in the house that she grew up in. She was emotionally abused in the house that she grew up in. Her grandfather, her grandfather, sexually molested her at a young age for many years. I mean, she's a superstar. If, if there's anybody that I know that has every right to be a victim, she is it. But that's not how she lives. Man, she's a great mom. She's a great leader. She's a great pastor. She challenges everybody around her. Amen. Stephanie will tell you. If you know her, I mean, she's going to... She's not quiet, and, and you know, she's, she's out there. I love that about her. It's not easy. If you're married to a strong woman, you know exactly what I'm talking about. God knew what he was doing. Remember, marriage didn't meant to make you happy, to grow you up. I'm growing up every day. Amen. Pray for me. Pray for me. Stretch your hands out right now. Pray for me. I never forget one time she was telling me a story, and, and her 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 sexual abuse became real to me in a way that I'd never felt it before. She said that when she was in elementary school, she would get sick at school, and she would not call her mom to pick her up because her mom worked, uh, and she knew that if she called her mom to pick her up because she's sick that her grandmother would have to pick her up and she would end up going over her grandparents' house and she knew that her grandfather would be there and would sexually molest her. And so she would stay in school sick, throwing up in the bathroom because I'm not gonna go, I don't wanna call my mom. And man, it just broke my heart. I was like, oh my gosh, I've never, I've never experienced anything like that. I've never known anybody that's experienced anything like that. To not be able to get help when you need help. It broke my heart. But just as much as my wife is such a great example, she's flawed. Her love is not perfect. Jesus' love, however, is perfect. See, greater love doesn't just endure our flaws or manage our failures. No, when, when Jesus gets involved in your life, when greater love gets involved, he comes down to your level. 
and meets every one of your needs, not just situationally. One particular story uh, is, that shows this greater love is in John chapter 8. Jesus is having his life group. And he has these people he's teaching around him. And in the middle of his life group, the, the religious people trying to trick him, trying to mess with him, they bring this woman who is caught in the very act of adultery. Like she's caught. Now, my first question is, where's the man? Takes two to tango. Like, yo, where's the dude at? And so they throw this woman at Jesus' feet. And, and it says that they said, teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone her, kill her. She's supposed to be dead. Now, now listen to me very closely. This was not just a test for testament's sake with regards to Jesus. No, what was happening in this moment was they were, they were attacking the validity of Jesus' birth. They were saying, this woman, Jesus, is just like your mom. Because you were birthed out of wedlock. You were, you were conceived out of wedlock. Because remember, remember what happened with Mary. The Holy Spirit came. Angel came and said, you're going you're to have a son. And so she got pregnant before she was married to Joseph. Everybody ostracized her. They knew exactly where Jesus came from. So they were, they were attacking the validity of who, who Jesus was, his immaculate birth. They were attacking it. I love what Jesus does. He says, he, he, he just gets on his knees, drops down, to his, and he starts writing in the ground. In other words, what he does is whenever we get into a position where we're attacked, he comes down to us. He says, he says I'm just going to write on there. That's what greater love does. It just writes in the ground. That's what greater love does. It just, it just comes. Because he understands that our frailties, our failures, are really the surface issue to the sin of our humanity. That's why Jesus had to come and die for us. That's why a man... A person, a human had to go to the cross. It's because we are all flawed. We are all, we all have the propensity to sin. That's why it's so awesome to think about what Jesus does. And he always just comes down to our level. I'll never forget when I, 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 I met Jesus, the real Jesus. 30 years ago when I, when I bumped into God, I call it I bumped into God. I was going to church. I've been to church a bunch of times. But then one day I bumped into God. You know, you can go to church for a long time and never bump into God. And when I did, I realized, man, he really loves me. Not for what I can give him. Not in spite of what I've done. He just loves me. See, when our past tries to define us, greater love just writes on the ground. When we feel lost in the sea of our thoughts, greater love just writes on the ground. When, when we have depression and suicidal thoughts, he just comes and lets us know by writing on the ground. Greater love empowers us to avoid the destruction of life's stones. Look, you're going to get thrown rocks at you all the time. But can I just tell you, Jesus is right there with you. He'll cover you. Greater love is relational, not transactional. Greater love is is it's unshakable, not situational. Here's the last one, then I'm almost done. Greater love is sacrificial, not sentimental. 
The modern concept of love can be very sentimental. I believe we live right now in a very emotionally charged society. Matter of fact, if truth is being challenged by lived experience. So, in other words, we're, we're trying to, in our society right now, try to erase truth for the sake of, you really can't say anything to me unless you've lived a, a, a moment in my shoes. That's dangerous, by the way. Let me say that again. That's very dangerous. No matter what you've gone through, it doesn't discount the fact that you've experienced something really, really difficult in your life. However, truth can never be defined by our feelings. Truth is absolute. And if we attach sentimentality, is that a word? I just made it up. If we attach sentiment to truth, then truth will get blurred when it comes to our feelings. Because guess what feelings do? Change. Right? Come on. You remember when you were 13 years old and you fell in love? They're probably not sitting beside you right now. I'm just saying. Some of you, it might have happened. Okay, maybe one or two of you. But the truth is, your feelings changed. Your feelings changed. Did you know Jesus didn't go to the cross because he felt like it? (laughs) He didn't feel like going. He, He did not feel like doing it that's why he cried tears sweat sweat blood because of the agony this this anonymous quote falling in love at first sight is rather like falling down a hole sudden intense often with an unsatisfactory outcome See, the problem is with feelings that they, they change. See, love's true test is not felt emotion. It is willing sacrifice. Willing sacrifice. Greater love is built on that foundation, the foundation of sacrifice. In 1968, the USS Pueblo was captured by the North Korean army. 83 people were on the vessel. And um, they were all thrown into brutal captivity. In one particular instance, 13 of the men were brought into a room and asked to sit in assigned seats. And they were told to sit in that particular place uh, for hours, hours. And after four, five, six, seven hours, the door flung open and the Korean captors beat the guy who was sitting in the first seat next day comes around same thing same 13 captors they go into the room they're all sat in the seats after a few hours of sitting rigidly the captors come in they beat the guy in the first seat brutally third day same thing sitting around the table the guy who's been beaten two days in a row is sitting there hanging on to life and the captors come in the door flings open and they beat the man again well the next day when they're all sitting there they know that this is exactly what's going to happen so one of the other guys goes hey let's change seats with the guy who had been beaten for three days in a row and he sat there and when the captors came in they beat him and then the next day 
Somebody else said, hey, I'll take that spot this time. And so one of the 13 captors who had not been beat sat in the seat. And after a few hours, the captors came in and beat that guy. And the next day, they just changed. Every day, they would change because they knew if one guy sat in that seat, he would eventually die. But if they all took upon themselves and sacrificed themselves, then they could live. After weeks went by, the North Koreans finally quit and they realized they just gave up in aspiration because they were unable to beat that kind of sacrificial love. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.